Good morning. This life throws us many things, good, bad, ups, downs, things in between. can be exciting. It can be exhilarating. This life can also be challenging, grueling, overbearing. And we can sometimes get to the end of our rope and to lose hope. And if we, if we take our minds off of and we don't fully experience where the source of all true hope is in God, we may just feel like giving up. Our Lord does not, did not have an easy road to walk when he came to live amongst us as God in the flesh. And the gospel that Lee read for us tells this. It begins that Jesus began to teach them that he, the Son of Man, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And then he goes on and he tells his disciples, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And if any of you, in your bulletins, as we periodically do, there's news about church around the world. And in this, there are different stories and some of Christians who are suffering and dying because of their faith. And I think it's the second page, the heading says, 45 Christians killed in Nigeria. Pastors arrest, another article stirs anti-Christian sentiment in Kashmir, India. According to a bishop of the Church of North India, charges that a Kashmir pastor, Chandar Khanna, lured Muslims to Christianity by offering money are false. But they have, these charges have put the lives of the clergymen and other Christians in danger. Another one says converts serving 15 years for his faith. There are Christians around the globe who, as Paul writes, are in peril, danger, and the sword some of them have faced. And then we get closer to home. That's not something that we see much of in, in America. But, uh, you know, as we, as we go through this presidential election, you know, there's, there's talk about Christian, uh, whatever you want to call it, rights being being suppressed. And then we can come, you know, to our own daily lives and we go through difficult things. My sister uh, texted me. I have to get the language right. I was going to say email. Um, but she texted me and she's never, I don't think she's, well, she's not texted me that because I haven't been texting that long. But, um, but she, she texted me to ask me to pray for a friend of hers who's 49 years old. And they actually used to live, when they lived in Illinois, and I remember this, it was my nephew's, his best friend at, at the time. Well, this 49-year-old has fairly advanced pancreatic cancer and has two children and a husband. And I could go on and on. But Paul, and as we get to Romans chapter 8, and the end of chapter 8, 
This is one of the great passages of Scripture. And it's a, it's a passage of, of hope, and it's a passage of, that speaks about God's invincible, incredible love for us. And all of chapter 8 talks so much about the Holy Spirit. I believe the Holy Spirit is mentioned approximately 20 different times. And it is God's incredible love for us, and it's His Holy Spirit that allows us to carry on in the midst of, of difficult times. It allows people to be able, who are, who are very sick, to be able to carry on and, and love ones who care for them. And then, you know, these Christians that we read about who are, are suffering and, and, you know, subject to physical injury and possibly death, that, that gives them the strength to carry on. And this Apostle Paul, this is not just an academic exercise for him when he throws out some of these things that he goes through. You know, he lists seven, you know, the tribulations and through peril and death. And, and I'm going to read you one passage right now, and that's 1 Corinthians 4, verses 11 to 13, when he says, To this present hour, we are both hungry and thirsty and are poorly clothed and are roughly treated and are homeless. And we toil, working with our own hands to support his uh, preaching ministry of the gospel. When we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. When we are slandered, we try to conciliate. We have become as the scum of the world, the dregs of all things, even until now. Not exactly the American dream, that last that last word, those la that last phrase, or, or things that uh, you know people would normally aspire to. But Paul, you know, doesn't just preach to the people, you know, in Rome that he writes to, and he he lives this. He he lives this out. And when our passage begins in verse thirty-one, he starts off, and actually, this passage has a lot of questions that he asks. Uh, he knows the answers. He just is, he's chosen to present this in question form. But the first thing he says is, what then shall we say to these things? Well, for those of us who are just picking up this reading, we need to know a little more about what are these things. Well, these things are the gospel of Jesus Christ. This gospel which he has been presenting, and he presents in all of Romans, and it can even go back, these things he's talking about, right back to the beginning. And in chapter 1, he really talks about, you know, he kind of, some have said, some commentators say, this is really the summary of what he's talking about in Romans. In verse 16, when he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Because at this time, when Paul is writing in, uh, in the 50s uh, A.D., Christianity is largely a Jewish thing. Jewish people are the predominant number of Christians. And, and then he, but he has been the, uh, the apostle to the Gentiles. And then in verse 17, For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, but the righteous shall live by faith. And 
This gospel is about Jesus Christ, the story of Christianity, dying on the cross. You know, after he came to live, God sent him in the flesh to live amongst humanity, to die for our sins, to pay the sin debt that we could not pay, the sin debt that we owed since Adam and Eve sinned, disobeyed God in the Garden of Eden when they had everything you could ever want. They had complete peace, tranquility. They, they were even, could walk, God was walking around in this garden with them. And there was one thing that God said not to do, yet they did it. There was all kinds of beautiful fruit and vegetables and things. But they disobeyed God. They were tempted by the devil who said, why can't you eat this tree of the knowledge of good and evil that God has said you could not eat? So that's what Jesus came to do. He came to be that ultimate sacrifice that the Old Testament sacrifices just could, could never accomplish, that could pay that, that sin on the cross. And then he rose again. God raised him from the dead so that we could have new life and send his Holy Spirit to live amongst us. That's the gospel that, that, that Paul is speaking about. And there are some great verses, uh, Romans chapter 5, verses 8 to 9, when Paul says, God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And then at the beginning Romans uh, of chapter 8, Romans uh, verse one, uh, chapter 8, verse 1, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because Jesus died for our sins. And then in Romans 8, verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be, com to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And then finally, the three verses right before our reading, verses 28 to 30, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And he also justified. And he also glorified. I, I skipped a, a few words there. Because those three verses are the subject for a, another sermon. And with all kinds of stuff that those imply. And, and I'll leave that to our rector, who's much more qualified than I am, to speak about all the issues. That that, that that passage could, could bring out. But it really, just to, to sum that up in a, in a nutshell, God works everything. Doesn't mean everything's going to be good. There's, as we know, there's a lot of bad that goes on. And there's a lot of things we don't understand. People, and maybe us, that, that don't get healed or, or bad things happen to us. But whatever it is, and not to say that God wants that, but whatever happens to us, the good, the bad, the in-between, God is working all that together for our good and for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. And that purpose is for us to believe in Jesus Christ and his death on the cross and his rising from the dead 
and also so that we would be conformed to the image of Christ, to be more and more like Jesus Christ. That's what he wants. And then there's this call in here. God calls, and he, it, it's an invitation, but God is also, he's doing more than, you know, you send out an invitation to your friends to, to come over for dinner or something. Um, and it, he, he's, he's actually, he works inside of us, inside of people, to make them want to respond so that what he wants is, and he gives, he gives that all up to us to make that decision. He doesn't, you know, just, you know, he could, he could do whatever he wants, but he's given us the choice. That's a choice that we have to make, but he does work in our hearts so, so that we choose Jesus. And when we do, and we believe, we receive that justification that making us right in God's eyes that Jesus accomplished at the cross. And then that glorification is becoming more like Christ, something that we're only going to do in part now. But when Jesus comes again and there's a resurrection of the, of the body, we will be conformed fully to the image of Jesus Christ, which is what back in Genesis chapter 1, when he made man and woman, he made them in his image to be like him. And Jesus is that perfect image for what a human being is supposed, is supposed to be. Well, Paul then, what are we going to say about these things? He then starts asking qu more questions. And that's really how he answers, what shall we say to these things? And he begins by saying, if God is for us, who is against us? In verse 31, that's his first question about what he says about these things. With God for us and with us, it does not matter who is against us. Our enemies and the devil may be stronger than we are, but no enemy and nothing can prevail against us when the God who saved us is in our corner and on our side. We can put our complete confidence in this God. And that's what people, some of the people I've, I've read about, that's what Paul did to overcome these things. Then in verse 32, this God who's done so much in giving Jesus, will he not also give us all things? All things in addition to this? Well, if God graciously, and this was totally his work, gave us the most important, the most valuable thing in the world, and to him, his son, to die on the cross as the ultimate sacrifice for our sins, why won't he give us other things? Because there's nothing else that even comes close to comparing to God sacrificing Jesus. We, re we read how Abraham was prepared to make that sacrifice. And that's why they, that reading is, is paired with today's reading. I'm sure those of you who have, who have children, you would do anything for them. That's what, parents, that's what parents do. You start out with them when they come out of the womb and they can't do anything. 
and you care and you, you, you raise them up. But God gave His Son for us, the human beings that He created, and those human beings, you know, whom He loves. So God will give us what we need, and He knows. He knows what we need. He gives us also. He gives me things that I, that I want, but those, I think, are just are byproducts. You know, He knows what, what we need, and Jesus tells His disciples that in the Sermon on the Mount. You know, he tells them not to worry about what you will eat, drink, or what clothes you're going to wear. Your Heavenly Father knows that you need these things. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and these things will be added to you. Paul goes on and asks another question. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? And he asks another question that's kind of related in the next verse. I think that's verse 34. Who's the one who condemns? And what Paul's trying to say here, when, when the devil condemns you, when other people oppose you, when even you condemn yourself, think less of yourself than you are, God does not condemn you. God loves you. And God, sometimes if, if, if we get so down on ourselves and we, we say bad things about ourselves even or certainly about other people. God created each and every one of us and he loves us so much. That has to pain God because God has so much more for us and no human being, not Satan, you and your sins can declare you guilty before God. You are not condemned when you believe in Jesus Christ for your sin. And that's what Paul begins chapter 8 with in the first verse. There is therefore no, now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. Jesus did it all. And if anybody, the only, peop, the only persons who have, you know, who really are entitled to condemn us are God and Jesus Christ. And they don't do it. They gave Jesus' life for us. So that is something we, we can hold on to. And then in verse 35, Paul asks a fifth question in answer to his first question. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? There are so many things that can afflict us in this life, but nothing that can happen to us or come against us and enter inside of us can overcome God's love for us. There is nothing in the heavens and the earth more powerful than God's love. Some have called the Bible God's love story for His people and for His creation. We see that, and they call this this because God, God loved people. God wanted to live with us. He wants us to be in fellowship with Him. He wants to have a relationship, and that is available that is available to us. He wants us to have true life. And that is life with Christ, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what He wants for each and every person because He wants us to be like Christ. He created us in His image, and that's what He wants for us. We mess things up, 
I know I continue to I mess things up, but God just keeps drawing us back. God tries to draw people who don't, who aren't, who haven't given him a thought to him. And this is important to be in Christ, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, because as we know, life is difficult. And Paul, you know, rattles off seven, uh, or a bunch of things. I, I think it's seven different items that, that he lists that we can suffer from. Well, tribulation or distress, inward or outward um, pressure, uh, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, danger, or the sword, death. All of these things, we, you know, humans can face. But, and then even he, you know, he uses an Old Testament passage in, in verse 36 where he says, we were considered a sheep to be slaughtered. But then he goes on to say in verse 37, in all these things, we overwhelming, overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For Paul says in verse 38, I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything of, nor, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. He goes from beginning to end as high and as wide as you can be. Nothing can separate us from God's love because God's love endures forever and he's shown that throughout the Bible and throughout human history and we need to know that we need we need to, to feel that we need that inside of us to know how much God loves us and also how strong God is as we know those are Paul just isn't using some light little words we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. With God, we can do anything. We can overcome whatever faces us, although that overcoming may not be in this life, but it's certainly going to be for eternity as we will have life with Christ. And as I said, this Paul face many difficult things. I just want to read one more passage of some of the, you know, of his life. In, in uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. And he says, In everything commending ourselves as servants of God, in much endurance, in afflictions, in hardships, in distresses, in beatings, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in sleeplessness, in hunger... He suffered a lot. And going on to chapter 11, five times, I received from the Jews 39 lashes. That would be floggings. And that's not just with, you know, just a light little rope. Paul was almost beaten for dead at least once that we read about in Acts. He was chased away many times. He says, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have spent in the deep. I've been on frequent journeys in dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, 
dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. Paul faced it all, my friends, but he faced it with the knowledge and assurance of God's deep love for him and with the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul was not separated from God's love. And God used these difficulties that Paul went through to grow him more and more like Christ. And as we know, eventually, Paul was put to death for his faith in and proclamation of Jesus Christ. While we would rightly look upon Paul as a hero of the faith, and perhaps he's the greatest disciple in the Bible, we too can be more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. And we have conquerors in our midst. We have people at St. David's who have or continue to go through very difficult health situations. Yet God's love is sustaining them through their tribulation and their distress and is sustaining their loved ones. I'm amazed sometimes by the spirit that some people that who are very sick, maybe dying, can display it's amazing how they really, they seem to be stronger than we, their loved ones, who are, who are visiting them. We've got people, some people who are having a tough time financially, looking for work or don't have enough work at risk of, uh, you know, losing, uh, possibly losing their home, can't pay the rent or their mortgage. Um, and they're trusting in God and they need to trust in God because his, they're, they're, they can't be separated from his love. They may, may end up being separated from their homes and we pray that that doesn't happen. But God's love cannot be taken away from them at all. Grieving the death of a loved one is one of the hardest things that we can, we can go through. But we can walk through that in the power of God's love and with help from the Holy Spirit. And I want to have told you about Christians being persecuted and, and being killed also want to tell you about somebody I think that many of you are familiar with, and that's Johnny Erickson Tada. And she is the founder and chief executive officer of Johnny and Friends, and she's an international advocate for people with disabilities. Well, she was 17 years old and was diving, and she was a, a, a competitive diver, and she had a diving accident at the age of 17 that left her a quadriplegic in a wheelchair. I was first introduced to her, I think, in the in the eighties, late eighties, sometime on uh, you know on a on a CNN or or some other uh, you know talk show or something. Because she just is is around in a wheelchair, and as you can imagine, tremendous struggles and and why God and would this happen and and also she talks about not wanting to carry on, but God gave her the strength to carry on and. After, she lear- uh, after a couple years, she learned how to write and how to draw with a pen or pencil in her mouth. And so she designs Christmas cards and, and does other, um, other, uh, other art. She's written over 70 books and magazine articles. She travels. She's traveled to 45 different countries talking about Jesus Christ being a testimony and a witness to God's great power. And there are others that, you know, you could name. 
that in spite of incredible, incredibly difficult circumstances, show through and exhibit the love of Jesus Christ, strengthening them on the inside and then pouring out on the outside. There is a lot of pain and suffering, heartache and tribulation that we go through in this world. And we know Christians are not exempt from this affliction. And some face great danger and even death on account of their faith in Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul has told us, Jesus instructs us on this. But as Paul said in Romans 8, verse 18, it is all worthwhile, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. God never promised us comfort in a pain-free life. However, he did promise that his love for us would endure forever and that no one, or nothing could separate believers from his love ever. That love is incredible. It's the most powerful love in the world bar none. And the whole Bible tells this story of a God who loves us so much and who desires to live in relationship with his people. And that's God's ultimate purpose, to live with us and for us to become more and more like Jesus Christ each and every day. God's love, as Paul says, for we his children who believe in his son Jesus is so strong and everlasting that he will allow, allow nothing and no one to ever separate us from God's love. Be encouraged and confident in God's invincible and everlasting love today and always. Amen.